Assalamu alaikum everyone. My name is Zara Udin and I will be your host for the first episode of Muslims in Medicine, a podcast created by the Muslim Medical Association of Canada, Western University chapter. Our first amazing guest is Mahtab Naini, a second year medical student at the Shuik School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University. I am very excited to have her here today to tell us about her journey into medical school. How are you doing, Mehtab? Hello, everyone. I'm doing very well, alhamdulillah, and I'm happy to be here at your podcast, The First Guest. Awesome. Yes, we are very excited to have you, too. So my first question for you is, why did you choose medicine? Well, uh, from a very early age, I had the privilege of being exposed to the field of medicine because my mother was a pediatrician back home. and I would always uh, talk to her about her, uh, you know, experiences about the field. And even as a child, I would uh, go to her uh, office with her and uh, just seeing the way she interacted with patients. And mind you, uh, I've heard here you can't do that. But back home at that time, it was no issue to go uh, as a small child into uh, the room with, you know, the doctor and see the process for yourself. And I even modeled uh, the way she used the tongue depressors for kids because they really hated it. And they started screaming the moment they saw it. But then she used to use it on me and be like, uh, well, look how she is really a good kid taking tongue depressor. And after that, they were a bit more cooperative. So I spent a fair chunk of my childhood in that environment and seeing the way my mother interacted with these people and affected their lives really had a profound impact on me. So I think from grade maybe six, seven onwards, I knew that I wanted to do medicine. I wanted to have that uh, role in people's lives and have that knowledge to be able to, you know, have such a big impact in people's lives. That was really the first and foremost motivation for me to pursue medicine. Wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, Yeah, tongue depressors can be very nasty. Like it just tastes so weird. (laughs) Um, So it was great that you were able to model it for them. So I'm wondering if Islam had any role in influencing your decision to become a doctor? Um, Yeah, well, uh, I was raised in a pretty religious family and uh, the way that my mother and uh, a couple of my aunts were also in the field. The way that they approached it whenever, uh, you know, we were talking about it and I showed interest and uh, especially in high school, like I had to get really good grades and I had to, we had this uh, university entrance exam back home. Uh, At that time we had applied to come to Canada, but we didn't know if we would, but I still wanted to do medicine uh, no matter where. So uh, I, that was a very challenging time for me, you know, to, uh, what, what, how should I improve my grades? How should I keep on track? You know, this is so hard. This is like frustrating. And the thing that always came out of the mouth of people around me was do this for God and do this for Allah and she or he will show the way forward, you know? have that in mind that you're doing this to serve Allah's creatures and he will take care of the rest you know he will just 
take your hand and take care of the rest. So I think this deeply ingrained notion of, you know, helping God's creatures, helping people in God's name and only for God, you know, not for, you know, for money, for uh, fame, reputation, or like, you know, prestige or whatnot. I mean, these all sound a bit cliche, but truly, truly what I kept being reminded of, and it takes a lot of uh, the stress off of your shoulders, you know, the narrative itself that you, uh, you're doing this for a higher purpose and that higher purpose will help you itself, you know? That takes a lot of the pressure off your shoulders because you, you think, because you, uh, you're reminded of the fact that, uh, well, I'm doing all I can and because I have this higher purpose, uh, you know, the rest is just going to be taken care of no matter how long it takes, no matter how many ups and downs it has, because I'm doing this for God himself, and because this is very deeply ingrained, you know, in the culture and the religion that uh, everything you do should be for God and only for God, that will carry you, carry you far. And I really sincerely felt that since day one that I wanted to, you know, uh, start deciding about going to medicine and the road is really, you know, bumpy and there's a lot of ups and downs. My family always reminded me to have this mantra in my head and to not just work for medicine, but work for serving the people as, uh, you know, um, as cliche as it might, as it might sound, but I, I tried my best to have that mantra in my head and that really helped me in uh, being, you know, steadfast and, you know, very um, as uh, strong as I could in this route before immigration and after, uh, which after it got really, <laughs> really harder, but uh, all, all throughout the way I had that mantra in my head. So I'm really happy that that influence was there. Yeah, it sounds like religion was a very powerful motivator for you and it really helped you get through tough nights and all that anxiety. So you mentioned that you immigrated to Canada. From where did you immigrate? So I'm originally from Iran and uh, I lived there till I was 19. And I immigrated with my family in 2000, uh, end of 2012. Well, uh, technically 2013 was when I started university in Canada. And uh, yeah, I've been here nine years almost. Wow, that's amazing. So you immigrated to a brand new country and you still managed to get into medicine despite all the obstacles, even when it's been traditionally very tough. So I'm very interested in hearing more about your undergrad experience. Yeah, well, I had a very tumultuous undergrad, if I'm uh, putting it lightly even. Um, my experience was when I first came to Canada uh, and I started university, I was very, very, very clueless about everything. And most people starting university, you know, they're, everything's new, the environment's new, the, the way you should study is new compared to high school. But at least they've done studying in English before. They've done, you know, they've uh, they've lived in that country before in that environment or whatnot. So uh, the challenges were really multiplied for me. And uh, I remember the first uh, couple of books that we had, you know, for university. Well, trying to figure out how to enroll in courses and how to do the administration stuff and how to, you know, 
where the classes are and how to find an address, how to find, you know, get on the bus here and the subway and all that. Those are all like challenges. But the worst, the biggest obstacle for me was when I picked up the first uh, few books that we were supposed to read for our courses. And like the chapters were obviously very long, you know, 40 pages and 30 pages and whatnot. But I started to read like you would at the very beginning. And every single page I remember used to take me like 45 minutes. I had to find a lot of new words in the dictionary. I had to write them, write them down. I had to, you know, go back and forth to understand the paragraph. And by the end of that page, it had been like 30, 45 minutes. And you can see if there are 40 pages in one chapter and there are like 12 chapters to do by the end of the semester, it's very, very disheartening and very, you know, discouraging. So I sort of, by the end of the first semester, I unfortunately gave up. I just, I was like, I can't, I'm not going to read it. This is not working. And I went into this uh, depressed slash, you know, um, demoralized kind of mode where I just studied enough to pass courses. And I didn't, I I got very, very discouraged by that whole, uh, you know, the whole challenge of that. And unfortunately that, uh, that and being new to the country and not having many friends and, you know, the whole the whole package together resulted in uh, the, my first two years. I went to University of Toronto the first two years. Those two years were not good years for me in terms of studying. And the more I went on in school, the more I saw, well, I'm not doing well. Then this shows I'm not cut out for medicine. Then, you know, the more and more discouragement on top of each other. And uh that sort of made me almost give up on medicine I'd never quite given up but I I was disappointed in myself you know I was I was like well clearly I can't do medicine because look at these grades look at the way I'm coping with studying and um that didn't improve overnight and there was no like magic formula that I can tell you that made the situation better. But I moved cities. I got married. I moved cities and I moved universities. And I sort of decided to uh, start anew, start fresh, even though some of my grades had carried uh, on and followed me, unfortunately. But at least not all of them had. And I had a sort of a new chance at doing university. And after the first two years, I've gotten more and more used to, you know, studying in English, uh, what assignments are, what, you know, assignment deadlines mean, and, you know, how to navigate the system, basically. So I started to build myself from the ground up at that point. And that was uh, how I slowly, very slowly over a couple of years, try to, you know, rebuild my uh, transcript, my GPA improved, um, my purpose came back, I was like, well, maybe I have a shot at my lifelong dream. And with God's work and all of this, of course, alhamdulillah, all came together and, uh, you know, made it possible for me to give this a shot. 
that's so inspiring. 35 to 40 minutes for one page, like that's very defeating when you have so much work and university is already so challenging and just that extra hurdle makes it so demoralizing, as you've said. And I'm very inspired by how resilient you were and you went through <laughs> all of that. So and, yeah. and yeah, and now you're here. So that's amazing. And I hope that our listeners also are equally as inspired. And if they are facing any setbacks at this point, that they listen to your story and feel a sense of uh, hope that they can also overcome any obstacles and, and reach their dream. Yeah, that's actually, that's, that's the purpose of doing this for me, you know, to tell people no matter how, how much, how hard you think things are at the moment or how bleak the uh, future looks, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. If you put your, you know, best in it and you keep your trust in God and you keep your trust in your purpose and you have a purpose, there's always a chance, right? Yeah, inshallah. Just keep ourselves grounded and know that Allah has a plan for us. Uh, and when it's the right time for us, inshallah, we will reach our destination. Uh, so that was a very non-traditional undergrad route that you took because you switched universities. And um, I've heard that it's take it was uh, taking you seven years to complete your undergrad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's not something I take pride in, but also that's what brought me here. You know, that's what made my journey and uh, gave me the skills that I have today and the experiences I have today. Uh, do I wish I had taken a shorter route and I got into medical school right after, uh, you know, uh, university and I finished, you know, my undergrad faster? Well, yes and no. As I said, it would be it would be nice to get to where you want as fast as possible. We've all had that feeling of, God, why doesn't this work out? Like, why am I not getting where I want? But at the same time, I think trusting in God's plan and trusting in that because you have a purpose and because you have that trust and because you're trying your best, you will get to that place you want to be eventually. I think that, that, that builds character, you know, in itself, that builds character. So uh, what I had to do was when I went to, I um, did two years in University of Toronto, then I went to Montreal and I did five years at Concordia University, which basically, um, I had to do because I uh, was repeating a couple courses that had followed me from uh, Toronto and I was uh, trying to, you know, prove myself for some uh, Quebec universities. They look at your repeat courses and I was trying to, you know, prove myself that now that I'm in a much better place, now that I have a much better handle on things, I can actually show my, you know, true potential. Like this is not this, those uh, past uh, however many years were not me these are like you know this is what I can do and um all of that so I repeated those courses I also took a lot of uh, prerequisites for uh, American universities American medical schools 
And I think uh, between the repeating and the science prerequisites, that was about two years of my time. And I wasn't a full-time student in the last year. Like I, I had only a couple courses left to take. So, but like, yeah, till the, the moment I got uh, graduated, you know, I got my degree was seven years. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you that it would be nice to get where you want quicker. But, you know, at the end of the day, life takes us down different paths and we just have to roll with it sometimes. And again, I'm very inspired that you went through undergrad for seven years. Like I, I, <laughs> I can barely <laughs> get through one year at a time like it, it's just yeah so there funny. were times that I I looked at those hallways in like Concordia University and those classes and those like the website I was like would this ever end because you know five years in one university and having had two years in another one it's just so long and I used to think to myself is it at all possible like is it what if I never get out of here but and it was really frustrating but thank God it all worked out at the end. And yeah, I broke free. Yeah, you're making it sound like a jail cell. <laughs> when <laughs> is my time up? <laughs> well, nobody likes to do organic chemistry too. And, you know, biochem and all those, you know, undergrad science courses can be a bit annoying at times. Oh, for but sure. when you want to do medicine, when all you can think of is diseases and, you know, how to fix people and... Yeah, but but you need all those to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's to serve all those creatures who are going to go through the trouble of organic yeah. chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try to think of it that way. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for elaborating on your undergraduate experience in terms of academics. Can you please share more about what you're doing in terms of your extracurricular activities? Mm -hmm. Yeah, extracurriculars were a very challenging part of the application for me because, well, of course, the first two, three years, it was hard enough to, you know, get a handle on the studying and the, the all the material that was thrown at us and, you know, navigating the uh, university system. And I even I remember asking people like what it took to get into medical school, like, you know, those first few years, you, you have no clue you ask people around and when they told me like all about all these extracurricular activities I remember feeling so overwhelmed I could not believe that one could do university get good grades and then also on top of that be so involved in society you know I was new to the country and the society in general was very intimidating to me like you know speaking the wrong word you know uh what, what what's the etiquette in this situation you know what like, how do you, how do you approach someone and be like, I want to volunteer here? Like, what if they say no, you know, it's, it's intimidating for everyone coming out of high school or like, um, it's a college in Quebec, uh, and entering university, it's intimidating for anyone to enter society in a real way, but especially so for me as an immigrant and, uh, also at the time I used to wear the hijab, you know, as a hijabi, it's, it's, it's very, very, uh, intimidating so you have to really get out of your comfort zone and that took me a while I'm not gonna lie it was really hard and it took me a while but when I got to uh, Montreal and I got you know my first year of good grades out of the way and I saw that you know well maybe I can actually do this I 
sort of rerouted to that purpose that I was telling you before of ser serving God's creatures and uh, people in need. And that sort of gave me a very, you know, um, stronger motivation to, well, if going out there and volunteering and, you know, and uh, doing all sorts of things is what it takes, then I should, I should get out of my comfort zone. I should just do it. And uh, so what I did, um, I sort of piled up my extracurriculars bit by bit. Uh, but overall, I volunteered at uh, uh, the hospital, but I wanted, um, you know, uh, I wanted to have hands-on sort of experience, not hands-on, but like uh, interacting with patients uh, more than, you know, just uh, handing out, uh, you know, information, which is in itself really valuable, but I wanted to have uh, patient interaction and uh, for that I did a year in the geriatrics department in one of the hospitals in Montreal which was very rewarding and challenging in itself as a whole other podcast <laughs> and uh, then I did uh, another year in the psychiatric ward of that same hospital and that was also very very taught me a lot about life and about you know what kind of help doctors can provide for people which it was a whole different field that I hadn't been exposed to before and I really really appreciated those opportunities um on top of volunteering at a hospital I uh did volunteering with an organization called Charity Week which is a Muslim uh student-led uh, international organization uh for charity and for bringing the you know the Muslim nation together uh on top of that um and uh, I worked with them as a volunteer one year, a Quebec group member. And the next year I was the uh, director for the Quebec team, which was very rewarding. And um, I also uh, did tutoring with an, uh, a um, literacy advocacy organization that basically helped uh, underprivileged uh, populations from all ages with school related work or getting their degree or you know uh tutoring in difficult subjects when they have no other support you know uh they can't pay for services or whatnot and i was with them for another two years hmm. what else did i do i also uh, i worked with an organization that provided just community support for uh uh, newly arrived refugees. I was with them uh, for a shorter amount of time, unfortunately, but uh, that was also very interesting. I was paired with a refugee lady uh, who'd come with her family and um, just to be friends with her, you know, just to be, uh, um, keep her company, show her around, show her how things work, maybe like make uh, adjustment a bit easier. And yeah, that was also for a couple months as well. Yep. That's phenomenal. It sounds like you did a wide range of extracurriculars and that really shaped who you are today. And yeah, amazing. I tried to keep it as diverse as possible, you know, and they say to follow what you like. And I'm all for that in terms of extracurriculars. But for some people, it's really hard to find what they like out there. For some people, it's, it takes so much extra motivation to you know put yourself out there 
go to different places, ask if they want volunteers, how you can help, you know, interview for positions. It's all, it can feel daunting at the beginning as it definitely did for me, but you have to start somewhere. You know, when you get the ball rolling on extracurriculars, they just, God just puts a path in front of you. I think you get more and more comfortable. You get more and more exposure you find links, you know, this person finds you that thing and the next person finds you another thing, you know, and you just feel like you're doing something. You're not just studying. You're not just behind a desk, you know, getting good grades. You're actually out there contributing to people's lives and preparing yourself for that role as a physician that you have to take on being so involved in people's lives, you know? Yeah. And I think, it serves as a study break as well. It re-energizes you. Um, it shows you what you're doing all of this studying for. You're doing it to help other people. And uh, it also, it's a good opportunity to build skills as well. Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm wondering if you had any research projects while you were studying and um, volunteering. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, in terms of research, that was another very intimidating. <laughs> this, there's a trend here that I get intimidated a lot by different uh, experiences, but I had no clue about research when I entered university and for the first few years. But then I did an uh, honors uh, thesis, which was a huge, huge project in itself. And after I got that out of the way, I got enough confidence to you know, maybe I should add research to my resume as well. Maybe I should, I should explore that because I want to be able to do that. It's a very important skill for, you know, medical school and professional schools in general. So I did something that I, a few years before that, I would have never thought myself capable, you know, of doing. I just walked into the hospital. I was volunteering. I looked it up first. At the beginning, I looked up their website and I was like, I found some uh, research that I, uh, you know, might be interested in the titles or the topics seemed interest, interesting to me. And I just uh, chose this oncology, uh, you know, ward or oncology clinic in the hospital that I walked past uh, every day in my um, uh, volunteering. And with my volunteering uniform, I just walked in <laughs> and I asked for this doctor, this doctor that I'd seen online. And I asked if I could talk to them and I waited for them a, a couple minutes and when they arrived I just stopped them on the hallway <laughs> and I introduced myself I uh, said that I want to apply to medical school and I'm very interested in research and uh, I've done an honors thesis but I've never published anything or done any you know independent research but I'm an I'm a very eager learner <laughs> that's what I told them and he was very thank god he was very you know uh, welcoming and you know very kind about that. He'd seen people approach him before. He wasn't taken aback or anything. And he just, he told me that it's, uh, you know, a lot of com time commitment and he has a project that has to do with this and that. And he explained it to me a little bit and he was like, now go home and give it a good thought. Don't tell me right now that you're, you want to make the commitment. Go home, give it a good thought, uh, thought and come back. And uh, let me know if you want to commit that uh, amount of time and energy and all that. So long story short, I ended up doing a um, research project with uh, in um, cervical cancer. 
uh, with uh, the radiation oncologist in Montreal. And that was one of the greatest experiences of my life, you know, trying to do a project from uh, A to Z, being have, having so much responsibility and, you know, exposing yourself to the process of critical thinking and coming up with ideas and, you know, tackling problems as, as they arise. And it just be, being even in that environment at the hospital, I felt like way closer to my purpose, you know, to being a doctor. And I felt like I'm taking this step. This step is taking me so much closer to the end goal. And I really enjoyed it. Yep. Sounds like a great project and it really forced you to uh, come out of your comfort zone. And in that way, it allowed you to expand your skill set and become comfortable now with research projects. And you probably got that cervical cancer question right on the chest as well. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, <laughs> but it might have helped. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so you mentioned you've experienced so many setbacks on your journey towards medicine. You came to a new country and you struggled with the English language and you had to do uh, a few extra years of undergrad. So I'm wondering if there are any other setbacks that you had to experience? Well, um, I, on top of those things, uh, I mean, Alhamdulillah, I didn't have an extremely, you know, challenging path. It could have gone much, much worse, you know. When you think, when you see other people, sometimes you think, well, I thought I had it rough, but there's so many people in medical school that have gone through challenges one can't sometimes even imagine. So I don't want to pretend like I had the roughest of paths, but but even so, I can name a few other uh, challenges that might, you know, encourage other people who are listening to this to try to overcome their, uh, their issues, whatever it might be, you know, know that other people have gone through the same thing and have come out the other way. So I, I had depression, like clinical depression for about nine months in my second year. I mean, it was an ongoing issue, but it got pretty bad in my, between the second and third year of university. And I just had to, you know, seek help, uh, go to the university counselor, see my doctor, you know, admit that there was a problem and that I needed help for it. And uh, that was another one of the challenges, very challenging challenging things that I had to deal with you know because well being new to the environment it, it's different for different people some people you know blending right away they're really you know I don't know hard harder working is that the word <laughs> than me maybe you know they they get through it very quickly but it wasn't like that for me for me I didn't have a friend for the first year and a half I didn't know anyone I just went to lecture and back home and it was a big city, a big, you know, very, very different environment than I'd grown up in and I was used to. So all of this had sort of isolated me a lot. And that isolation took its toll eventually. And uh, when I got to that depressed state, I really, you know, I felt very disappointed in myself for the grades, for the 
situation I was in, you know, not having friends, not having adjusted well enough or quick enough in the new society. And I was blaming myself for a lot of things. But Alhamdulillah, I mean, God's help, I can't say anything else for that. I was able to pull myself out of that, you know, with the help of my parents, then uh, later on my husband and the support that I got, I was able to see the worth in, in what I was, you know, what, what I was capable of. Cause I had lost all hope and I was like, well, you can't do, you're not built for this. But the truth was something else. The situation, the circumstances had made me unable to do things or had made me doubt myself while my true potential was lurking underneath somewhere and it just hadn't been given enough of a chance to show itself. So yeah, when it, when it finally bit by bit came out and I, I was able to realize how like what I was capable of, what I could do. It also lifted my mood a lot. And it also all, you know, pointed my life towards this laser focus kind of, you know, this is your purpose now. This has been your purpose all along, but now you, you know you can do it. And it just takes a bit of effort, but you know you're capable of it. And that laser focus really helped me get things in order. It takes so much strength and vulnerability to share um, this diagnosis with our audience. Thank you so much, Mahdab. I'm sure a lot of people are suffering with mental illness, including depression, because unfortunately these days, depression is so common. And um, thank you for being vulnerable. And I, I think our audience will feel less alone if they are suffering and they will be inspired to seek out more help and realize that just because they have this condition and doesn't mean they can't get into medicine and they're, they can overcome it and reach their goals. Yeah. If this can help anyone, I I'm, it's my pleasure to have, you know, have it out there because depression in itself, it, it's very, very common and it, it prevents you from seeing what you can do. It does. It's there for exactly that reason. It just wants you to think of yourself as nothing. Think of yourself as, you know, incapable, just, defeated, demoralized, you know, this is all there is, doesn't let you see what you can do. And I want everyone out there to know that you can do great things in spite of that, in spite of that feeling of the moment. If you can just overcome that feeling, you can just get help in any shape or form and try to get past that hurdle. What the depression is telling you is not actually true. Definitely depression can act like a blind on you and it prevents you from seeing what the truth is. And the truth is you're capable of so much more than you think you are. So that was very nicely put. Uh, so this is my last question for you. Uh, do you have any advice for others who are looking to apply to medical school in Canada? Um, well, apart from the generic advice that you get, get good grades, get your extracurriculars on the way, maybe involve yourself in research if you can. All those are great things, absolutely necessary. Unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that, but you cannot take the next step if you don't have those things. So, but if you put those aside, if you, you're trying, you know, you know, those exist. 
what I would tell people on top of that is no matter how challenging you think the path is, no matter how far you think you might be from that end goal at the moment, just put your trust in God and believe that there's a way. I've seen so many people telling me, well, my grades are not good enough. My extracurriculars are not ex strong enough. You know, I'm, I've taken too long in undergrad, you know. I've seen so many people get rejected with good praise. Then I definitely, I have no hope, you know, there's no hope for me. I've heard it all. And every time what I tell them is, I managed to, you know, come out of those things, all of those things. And I managed to, you know, turn all those things around, basically. If I could do it, you could totally do it. The only, the only elixir or, you know, the magic to be able to get through those things and turn things around for yourself, if you really want to do this, is to just keep hope. Even in the darkest of moments, in the darkest of, you know, bleakest of outlooks, just keep, keep hope, keep hope up. Don't lose hope. There's always, always a way. And if you... If you have a purpose, if you want to serve God's creatures, if you, if you're not doing this, you know, for the, I mean, I'm not saying if people are doing this for money or for uh, prestige, they can't achieve it. For sure, there are a lot of people out there who've done it for that purpose and they've achieved it. But what gives you resilience and what carries you through is not that mentality. What gives you resilience and what helps you endure all of those hopelessness is serving God and nothing else. Yeah, and when you have that intention, God also helps you and um, gives you the strength to move forward. So it's important to pray to God and ask God because he is ever giving. Definitely. Thank you so much, Mahdab. You gave so much insightful advice and you're just so inspiring and I'm so happy that we had you as our first podcast guest. I hope fine. that our listeners are intrigued in this podcast and will continue to listen to future episodes because they realize how awesome this podcast <laughs> is. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed talking to you and I really hope this, your podcast can inspire and, you know, inform a lot of uh, Muslim students to uh, just pursue their goals. Jazakallah khair for listening today and be sure to tune in to the next episode of Muslims and Medicine.